What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Crossover Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. Happy to be here with you on a Saturday. And if you're new to this pod, this is where we go across enemy lines, so to speak, and talk to somebody that covers the 49ers opponent for the week. This week, it's the Los Angeles Chargers. So happy to be joined by Michael Peterson of Bolts from the Blue, our Chargers community here at SB Nation. How's it going, Michael? Uh, it's good. It's good, man. Uh, you know, the team could be much worse than five and three. There's obviously a lot of question marks, but uh, they're still winning some games that maybe they shouldn't. But they, at the end of the day, it's a, a win is a win. I heard the 49ers press corps say this. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, I have to ask Michael. They said Justin Herbert is looking like his old self getting back to healthy. Is that the case in your mind? I will say just based off his film, uh, against Atlanta, I would say that does look to be the case. Um, he was making a lot of tight window throws. He didn't make any throws that were somewhat questionable besides maybe, you know, hucking it over DeAndre Carter's head 45 yards down the field while he was double covered. Um, the last few weeks, he's just made a couple throws that really kind of made you scratch your head uh, against the Seahawks. His interception there was absolutely 110% his fault, double covered the entire way. Um, but for the most part, four of his five interceptions, I believe this year um, have come via like a dropped pass or ricocheted off his receiver's hand. So uh, just in general, he looked much cleaner in terms of the drives where you kind of have to have it. He was making those throws and doing it with, you know, a less than stellar uh, pass catching course. So at the end of the day, I'd say based off his last performance, yeah, this kind of does look like the Justin Herbert prior to the rib injury. All right. Well, that stinks. Um, <laughs> I saw a tweet from Dan Orlovsky that I sent to you because it blows my mind. And for anyone that didn't see it, the tweet says the Chargers went the entire first quarter on Sunday against the Falcons and didn't call a single pass that could potentially be thrown past seven yards. When you have a mutant at quarterback like Justin Herbert, what's going on? Yeah, so when I first read it, without doing any deeper digging, I said, well, that makes sense because just that's how the offense has looked. Um, but when you look at the play-by-play -play recap, they only ran four pass plays in the first quarter, uh, six plays total. Um, and those pass plays were one was incomplete, one went for one yard, seven yards, and then five yards. So uh, obviously it's worrisome because you would like them to at least try to test the defense off the bat uh, with some scripted plays. And for whatever reason, um, the offense, this is just what it's been the last few weeks, right? You, you, I think everyone kind of saw the stat running around Twitter, which was the Chargers became the, the third team in NFL history to be down by 10 plus points in four straight first quarters. And that just tells you all you need to know about what this offense looks like in the first quarter. I think before the Atlanta game, they were outscored 51 to three throughout the first half of the season in that first quarter. For, for whatever reason, Joe Lombardi loves to just tiptoe into these games. And, you know, back in the after the Jacksonville game, which was the first game after Kansas City where Herbert was injured. Lombardi said, you know, it was probably my fault. I kind of wanted to test him out, see how his ribs felt, and then we can go from there. But then the the game after kind of looked the same. The game after that, it looked the same. And each time, Lombardi goes, you know what, you can blame that on me. I just, you know, I think we can be a little bit more aggressive to start games. But no matter what he said in these post-game press conferences, it hasn't changed. And I think, again, in this first quarter against Atlanta Falcons, it's exactly what it's been the last few weeks, which is it's a milk, to milk toast offense. 
and it looks like he might not have his top two wide receivers. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, I don't think there's been no difference between prior to the Falcons game and this week. Uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are still very much out. The thing about Keenan Allen, it's been a mystery all season. Every time he's gotten really close, he's had a setback, and that includes a setback over the bye week, which oh. obviously is a time that that players and teams get healthier. But I think the Chargers injury report like doubled in length after the bye week. Um, some couple players have come back, but it's like, you know, their third edge rusher, a backup defender here or there. But no, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are still out. And the same cast you saw against the Falcons, which was Josh Palmer and a bunch of a practice squad guys. That's essentially what he's going to be passing to against the 49ers. Well, I'm not going to lie. That puts me in a little <laughs> better mood. Although if he's really back to 100 percent, like I don't want to say it won't matter because that's disrespectful to the guys that are out. But mm-hmm. I mean, he can put up points with anybody if he's really is back to 100 percent yeah i always said you know if you go back to his rookie season his sophomore season he's played a lot of games with lackluster cast due to injuries now if you remember as a rookie there was a monday night football game where he threw four touchdowns against the saints he did have keenan allen behind him they really didn't have much the offensive line was really bad uh they didn't have much else besides austin eckler and he still kind of made it work and so there's been quite a few games where you know when he was throwing to jalen guyton and teron johnson and donald parham before he really became uh, much more of a better player in the nfl he was making it all work gabe neighbors their undrafted fullback the last two years prior to this year uh scored a couple touchdowns as well i mean to start this year xander horvath rookie undrafted or seventh round fullback two touchdowns to begin the season so the guy can make it work with players that aren't, you know, star branded, aren't sparkly to the NFL world. Um, But it's been a little rough because when you have that on top of an offense that doesn't do a lot of nuanced, explosive plays, doesn't have a real identity, um, it does look very, very tough for him. Let's switch over to the other side of the ball. The stat that everybody in 49ers land keeps repeating, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody. The Chargers can't stop the run. They've given up 170 yards per game in their last three games on average. The 49ers, we know, can and want to run the football. Now they have Christian McCaffrey with another week in the offense. Is it is is the Chargers run defense as bad as people are talking about, at least in 49er land? I believe so. Finally, the first few games when they allowed, you know, a 50 plus 50 plus 75 yarder, um, that was just a handful of plays, right? Three or less plays that went for chunk change. And so besides that, I was comfortable saying heck you know you throw those out this defense is pretty good you know every team kind of breaks one hour then but then it became four games in a row five games in a row of a 40 to 50 yard plus game and all of a sudden you're like well i can't keep throwing out this hypothetical like they're doing it this is reality they are allowing these huge runs and obviously against the falcons they allowed 90 plus yards in the first quarter alone by the end of the game the falcons had over 200 by the end of the night and that's kind of what you expected of course the falcons kind of need to run the ball to be successful um but Yes, it is as bad as it is. And unfortunately, the injuries haven't helped. But in year two, even before the injuries kind of started to stack up, the run defense didn't look all that great. Now, for those of you who don't know, Brandon Staley's system is essentially based on having lighter boxes to invite the run, which sounds weird because of how bad they are at the run. But it's all based on the premise that the average run in the NFL gains less yardage than the average pass play. So Brandon Staley's whole thing is if you can invite the run, the opponent does run, and you kind of stop them over and over and over again, then obviously they have a a lower chance of winning that game just based on, you know, points expected per play and stuff like that. Um, But for whatever reason, even going out and getting his guys for this defense, right, Khalil Mack, Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, Troy Reader as a backup piece, 
it still hasn't been working. But then, you know, Joey Bosa goes out week three. Um, Kenneth Murray is still starting in the middle, who unfortunately has been very unfortunate in the run game. Uh, Kyle Van Noy is not a full-time edge replacing Bosa. He can't really hold up there the whole game. So injuries haven't helped. But in general, even when they were healthy, the system just wasn't working for this team. So then why not stop inviting the run? Man, I, <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, uh, one thing that I, I liked against the Falcons in terms of seeing something, seeing them making a uh, adjustment was running basically like a six, one front where you would stuff three different tackles in the middle. You'd have your two edge rushers on one side. Khalil Mack was kind of kicked in as well in a four point or a three point stance. And then Derwin James was actually on the edge. So you had two edge rushers, three defensive tackles and, and a safety. Well, Derwin James on the edge with Drew Tranquil as the lone off ball linebacker. And that front actually kind of made a difference against the Falcons. It definitely slid up their run game a little bit. And I know that's strange. Usually you want your beefier uh, personnel, right? Taking out a linebacker, putting a safety in the box, especially on the line of scrimmage doesn't sound great, but Derwin James is a freak. You know, he, he's more impactful. He's more physical. He's more disruptive than 245 pound Kenneth Murray, who unfortunately on the big run to start the Falcons game was washed out immediately. And he was kind of the guy who let that 44 yard run happen. So it, it, it seems like they're making adjustments, but that's not ideal. You don't want Derwin James as an edge rusher. So they got to figure something out despite all the injuries. Mike McGlinchey actually apologized yes, or, uh, on Wednesday for the Niners drafting him ninth overall in 2018 instead of Derwin James, who a lot of 49ers fans wanted. Uh, and yeah, I would say that you probably got the better end of that deal. Okay, so Niners are going to run the ball, we hope, we think, at least from our perspective. What do you think when you look at this 49ers offense? Are you nervous? How are you feeling? I'm nervous. I mean, obviously the run game, uh, they're going to want to to run the football down their throats. And I think it's very, very possible. I'm also always worried about facing teams with players that are known for gaining yak yards after catch. And when you look over on the other side and you see Debo Samuel, you see Brandon Ayuk, you see, uh, and of course, Christian McCaffrey is as dual threat as it gets as well. So you just see three guys that know how to make people miss and gain yards. So you don't have to have Jimmy G play like the cleanest game in the world as long as you can get the ball out to the right guy and the right concepts. Um, so that, that is just really scary. I think this defense uh, with the injuries, unfortunately, aren't the most athletic in the world. Um, Drew Tranquil has been on fire, but in terms of second level defenders, he's about the only one that you can rely on. And then Derwin James can't be everywhere in the world. Right. Um, so he's going to be stuck on somebody one play at a time, which means somebody else is probably going to be free. I, I am confident in guys like Asante Samuel Jr. on the outside. Um, Nasir Adderley has been a little bit better on the backside. But overall, I just feel like this 49ers offense has so many chess pieces that they can move around and, and for sure take advantage of something on the uh, uh, Chargers defense that it might be hampered by injury or not. That's what a lot of 49ers fans are saying, but we have seen the 49ers offense kind of stop themselves, even against teams that have bad run defense, which is incredibly frustrating because the whole team is built and geared up to run the ball first and foremost. Jimmy Garoppolo also has not been very good in prime time at all. He consistently turns the ball over, and that's what I have said. If he if he doesn't turn the ball over, they'll probably win, but he can turn the ball over with the best of them, so to speak, whether it's interceptions or fumbles. So that's my concern. I No disrespect to the Chargers, but I don't think they win unless Garoppolo gives them the football. 
Yep, I actually agree with that. I think I was writing on my my predictions and game predictions and stuff today. And I basically said, you know, this this offense can explode. It can do a lot of things. It does a lot of things well that the Chargers defense does does not want to see, you know, in an opposing team. But at the end of the day, if Jimmy Garoppolo kind of turns into the the head scratching interception guy, the fumble, the wow, the wheels are really coming off this player right now, then they have a chance. And and that's really unfortunate because again, the state of the Chargers like it's the number one defense. It's the number one pass defense in the 49ers as well. Uh, they're hurt the most in the past game. So I, it just obviously does not look like a good matchup on paper. And it really would take an implosion of Jimmy G proportions to give the Chargers a chance here. Last question for you. Is this it for Brandon Staley if he doesn't turn it around? Because I'm starting to hear some whispers. And I literally have seen Sean Payton practically campaigning for the job, giving detailed soliloquies about everything the Chargers have done wrong and how to fix it. That's something that I think is going to be debated, gone back and forth on through the remainder of the year. I'll tell you what, my gut feeling is that Tom Telesco is gone before Brandon Staley. Um, The reason for that is when you look at it, would you allow your GM to hire their fourth head coach in roughly 10 to an 11 year span that you've been the general manager? It just doesn't sound right. You know, we went through Mike McCoy, we went through Anthony Lynn, there's all the hype around Brandon Staley. And the thing is, Anthony Lynn's first two seasons were great. um, And obviously went downhill fast. Uh, Nine and eight winning record in Brandon Staley's first season is good. Uh, This year, he's kind of on the same path to go nine and eight. That potentially means the playoffs. I think whether they make the playoffs or not is kind of a big deal here. But again, at the end of the day, Tom Telesco, uh, for all the good things he has done, He's he's got landed a lot of good first rounders, of course, Bosa, Derwin, Rashawn, Herbert, like fine. But if you dig any deeper and you look at his draft record, basically any day two, day three picks rarely ever see second contracts with the Chargers. And you never really see them land guys on day two and day three that uh, are are instant impact guys that right away in the first year or two, you can point out and be like, wow, this guy's going to be a cornerstone. I mean, Drew Tranquil was a 2019 pick, uh, and he's just coming along uh, this year. You know, uh, Nasir Adderley still hasn't really come up to his his uh, uh, second round status, and then Jared Tillery, the 2019 first round pick, was just waived. Um, unfortunately, like you know, to whoever you're asking, some people would say it's a positive, some say it's a negative. But in general, for a GM, you never want to waive a first round pick um, this early in their career. So overall, I think at the end of the day, Staley stays. Before or after Telesco, but you're right. The, the seat is hot. Uh, the defense has been bad, which is literally Brandon Staley's calling card. If it continues, I think everything's up in the air right now, especially if the season plummets real quickly. And I think Kyle Shanahan knows Staley's defense a little bit because, of course, he was in L.A. with the Rams. So there's some familiarity there. Shame on me for not mentioning the Anthony Lynn revenge game. <laughs> oh, gosh, the Anthony Lynn revenge game. And I loved Anthony Lynn. Um, it's just unfortunate the way things went in his final two seasons. Uh, I thought he was a great guy. Loved him to death. Um, for whatever reason, some things just working out. And I, like, honestly, when you look back, it's really tough to tell where Anthony Lynn's, you know, fingerprints on the team were the cause or whether it was just like the Chargers being the Chargers, because as we've seen with each new head coach that comes, the same themes that have plagued the Chargers for pretty much the past decade are still there. And we're seeing it in full force right now in 2022 and Brandon Staley's second season with all these injuries. I mean, snake bitten just feels like an understatement at this point. Close game, tight score late in the fourth quarter. I know you've heard it. Are the Chargers going to charge her? Chargers going to charge her in prime time. I'll tell you what. 
I'm not going to say right or outright say that the Chargers are going to win this one. I do think they probably lose. Justin Herbert usually plays just much better in prime time, regardless of the cast around him. So I really do like their chances of actually looking strong towards the end of this one. But at the end of the day, I think they probably do lose this by a field goal or by one score or less. Um, but love Justin Herbert in prime time. I think it's a, it's a better football game in terms of what we're going to view uh, than you'd expect in any other time of the day. I was surprised that the spread was seven points and that it's held at seven, to be honest with you, because I don't think the 49ers deserve that much credit, frankly. Uh, but we'll see. Michael Peterson from Bolts in the Blue, thank you so much for hopping on, making us smarter about the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Yeah.